We have one more month. We won't see him till next summer. They're traveling on the money, going where the waves are. That's right. The ex-presidents rip off banks to finance the endless summer. Stick with it. Surfing's the source. Change your life, I swear to God. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf. It's either you or me out there on the board. You get my drift? Angelo, this is for little rubber people who don't shave yet. Come on. You're the quarterback, Jock. It's all balance, right? And coordination. How hard can it be? It's a surfboard, all right. Caught my first tube this morning. Sir. You realize that we have hit 30 banks in three years and they haven't been able to touch us? And all this does is up the stakes of the game. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? Doing great. It feels good to be back and uh, reviewing a flick, uh, doing some point break today. Today is the official uh, episode 75. And episode 75 is when the STL Nation was taken over. And this was the movie that won. The first vote was basically your favorite Keanu Reeves cop film. And it was Speed versus Point Break. Point Break 1. I'm excited. It's a really, really good movie. And uh, the second movie that was up for vote was Rock and Roll Losers, which was Wayne's World versus Airheads, and Airheads won. If you didn't know from uh, last, uh, you know, the episode I just uploaded, which I'll talk about in just a moment. And I'm excited for Airheads. Now, after Airheads, we'll be taking a little break on the voting system because uh, that's when we're going to roll into October. And that's the Oktoberfest, the STL Oktoberfest. So I'm very pumped. And during that Oktoberfest, we're going to get the Nightmare on Elm Street series in Zombieland, which I'm uh, very excited for. It's going to be some good times. And then the end of October, I'll throw up the new vote. And uh, we will uh, go from there and see what movie wins. And I can tell you already what that movie is going to be. It's going to be uh, RoboCop versus Terminator. No, not the comic book. Uh, not There's not a movie called RoboCop versus Terminator. No, it's actual RoboCop versus Terminator 1. And uh, Tawana, uh, Diversity Williams, has been doing a great job in the group because uh, since the voting has started, there's been some various mashups that she's put together. Uh, just for fun, and uh, she pulled out a lot of great ones. 95% of the matchups have been really great because she's pulled some from the list and kind of added other ones to go along with it. And uh, she's been she's done a very great job, and I told her that I really like the list she's done. And the first one that just caught my eye was RoboCop vs. Terminator. So at the end of October, uh, we will I'll throw that vote up, and you will vote and see which one you want to hear, RoboCop or Terminator. So it's going to be some good times. I'm excited. So today is some point break and uh, it's going to be a very fun episode. I can't wait. But before we do, let's get into some movie and music news.
right, so for the first bit of movie news, I wanted to talk about a few things before I actually roll into movie news. Now, last night, because uh, today is Saturday, although you probably won't get this episode today, uh, but last night I uploaded the new uh, STL Underground Hour. Uh, it's a new, uh, you know, kind of a new bonus podcast that I wanted to try out and see how it's going. Um, the few the few bits of feedback I've gotten since last night's episode has been very positive, and I'm very excited for that because putting that show together doesn't take very long. It's only an hour long. It's five songs plus whatever song. Uh, the STL Nation sends me because I realized last night I had plenty of time with five songs so I can still do my five songs and then whatever the emails are and the STL Nation song is. So it's going to be some good times hopefully. I'll continue to get feedback on that. I'll hear from the rest of the group and uh, the rest of the fans and so hopefully everybody will agree it's fun, some fun times and actually if uh, if you all like it uh, we could probably have two episodes a week of STL you know the normal movie review and then uh, a couple days later I can throw up another episode of the STL underground hour and I got some feedback from Watson he's like dude I dig the name I was like thanks uh, kind of makes you know kind of just fit the show perfectly so that would be cool, right? To get two episodes a week of STL. I mean, that would be flipping awesome. So hopefully you guys uh, will dig it and I get some feedback that you're enjoying it and you don't think it sucks and that I should go away with it. So let's get into what I wanted to talk about, which I mentioned in last night's episode about the movies that I've recently watched. And I told you I would give you some quick movie reviews on those. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get rolling in that right now. Okay, so the first one is uh, Resident Evil, and uh, this is a trip, man, I'll tell you. I uh, went, uh, went to the movie theater, uh, it was uh, Friday night, and you know they, because of the fact of summer's ending, they don't play movies all day during the morning and the afternoon, you gotta wait till nighttime to see the new movie, which is fine, you know, and uh, we both decided we were gonna see it in 3D. We're not humongous fans of 3D, but with the last Resident Evil movie, Afterlife, and just thinking of how awesome that was, that would have been in 3D to see. We're like, we have to see this in 3D. The first movie was at 7.30, so it was kind of like a date night, some good stuff. And uh, me and the wife went out, did, did a few things, and then we headed to the movies. Now, we all know Finding Nemo came out the same day, right? Well, there was uh, a bunch of people in front of me, about seven kids, and they all got 3D glasses. And these kids ranged anywhere from 7 to 14. And I was like, okay, cool, they're seeing Finding Nemo. So we grabbed my Resident Evil tickets, headed into the theater, and we wanted to get there a little bit earlier so we could go all the way to the back of the theater so that way nobody sat behind us. Guess who shows up all the way in the back of the theater? Yes, you guessed it, the mom and all the kids. And I mean, the mom was already yelling at the kids in the beginning anyways before we went in the theater. I was like, geez, I'm so glad that uh, she's not going to be in Resident Evil. But needless to say, those kids were there. Now, I'm guilty of letting my kids watch horror movies. You know, granted, it's not every single horror movie on the face of the planet. But I would not take my kids to go see Resident Evil in the theater. I thought for sure it was going to be an adult environment. So needless to say, those kids were just so flipping loud. And we got to the point where I was like, I'm ready to leave, man. I am ready to go ask for my money back. They were being rowdy. They were kicking chairs. They were talking. With the preview started once Looper hit, I was so pissed because I could not hear or watch what you know what was going on in the new Looper preview because the kids were so flipping loud. It was so annoying. Uh, so needless to say, they were 
when the movie started, they did quiet down, thank God. But here's my overall review of uh, the Resident Evil movies. As you know, I, I love the Resident Evil movies. It's some good times, definitely guilty pleasures. Now, this movie uh, is a life-changing, of course not. I, I had a few problems with the film. Number one, the 3D. The 3D is so good. And I know you're like, okay, why is that a problem? The problem is the fact that the 3D is so good and so intense, it got yours truly sick. I had an 8-hour migraine headache. It was absolutely atrocious and horrible. Because of the fact that the 3D was just so mind-blowing, it really affected me, and that never happened before in any other 3D film. And that's a shame. And don't say it's because I didn't eat or any of that other stuff, because I did, okay? I know what I felt was because of the 3D, because by the middle of the movie, I started just getting, that headache just started coming, and the more intense the, uh, the lights were and everything, the, the worse it got. I would highly recommend seeing the film in 3D if you're a 3D fan and you like those movies. I think it, it was really good. My problem is with Leon. Leon was completely worthless and pointless and just completely sucked. They added a lot of characters in this film that wasn't in the other in the other films from the video games. Uh, like the guys with the axe, you know, from Resident Evil 5. They made them bigger. The monsters were bigger. Uh, they added Ada Wong in there. Jill Valentine, which was in part two, is in this one. But because she's blonde, she looks different, even though it's the same actress. People that had died in the previous movies were back in this one. And I'm not going to tell you how that happened. So it was really fun. Uh, the martial arts scenes were amazing. I flippin' loved the... I mean, the fight scenes were unbelievable. The best of the series. The action was really great. Uh, but Leon, though, man, he sucked. The guy that played him, if you watch 2012, the guy, the English guy who was the pilot of, uh, you know, the the pilots getting them to where they needed to go and then they ended up crashing. That's where they're in the cars and they jump out the plane in the snow and he ends up crashing. That's the guy that played Leon. He was just really bad. He was pointless. Uh, he wasn't, he was real stiff and stale, very disappointed and Leon and uh, Chris, you know, basically anybody who played the characters previously were were kind of made for it. The girl that played Ada Wong was perfect. She looked the part. She sounded the part. She did the part. They actually have a trademark scene early in the film of her. And uh, the guy that played Chris in the last movie was perfect. However, uh, just Leon was just a complete miss. Um, they are going to hopefully at the end... Uh, of this movie it doesn't you know you could tell there's going to be a sequel and the last one is supposed to be the last one however it needs to be greenlit so my hope is that they greenlit the film so that way i get the ending to the resident evil series it'd be good time so i probably rated that a, a solid three and a half stars uh overall because of leon just sucking and the 3d was so intense i did have fun but it wasn't the greatest movie experience in the whole entire world. So that's Resident Evil. Um, I recently uh, watched Cabin in the Woods. I watched that, uh, I think it was two days ago. And, uh, you know, Jameson over at Movie Mojo Monthly said, Oh, if you're expecting a horror movie, uh, you'll be you'll be disappointed. Dude, what were you thinking? What were you, Are you crazy? That was totally a horror movie, man. It was great. I was thinking that... It was going to be like a horror movie and then halfway through that twist happens and then it turns into a comedy. But it was a horror movie from beginning to end. It was smart and the dialogue was really great. But I have no idea what you're talking about, dude. So me and you, when we get together and change the channels, we're going to have to have a discussion about that. How you think it wasn't a horror movie 
We're gonna have some. We're gonna have a good time there, man, because that was flipping good. One of the best horror movies I've seen in a very long time. It was all that in a bag of chips, and uh, it was cool seeing people from Dollhouse and Angel in there. It was that I really enjoyed that. But my favorite part was definitely the ending of the film. It was like a special effects extravaganza. Amazing. I oh, It was so flipping good. Just I, I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say the ending is amazing and the special effects will blow you away. It was very, very good. Uh, so I'm very interested to go back and listen to all the people that have reviewed Cabin in the Woods and, and hear what they have to say. You know, because I skipped, like, the flicks review and stuff. But Jameson just kind of said, oh, yeah, you know, it's not really a horror movie. Uh, it was funny, which she's right. It was funny. And, you know, I was told you laugh at parts that you shouldn't laugh at, which is true. I totally did that. But overall, though, I really, really enjoy Cabin in the Woods. Uh, real strong, solid four and a half stars. Flipping amazing. I loved it. It was great, great times. Then I watched Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, I don't know, three star, yeah, three stars for that one. Uh, too much story was not told. The movie was really rushed. Even on the extended version of the DVD, there was crap that was totally missing. Uh, you know, I definitely saw the scenes that people were talking about being from other films. I saw that. Uh, and uh, Kristen Stewart was surprisingly good. I didn't really have any problems. But for me, Thor, Thor is my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, which it was until Avengers came out. So anything with Thor in it, I love. I'm really happy I watched Cabin in the Woods first because in Cabin in the Woods, he's a douchebag. And then in uh, Snow White, he's not. So it was really cool. Uh, I'm glad I watched the Cabin in the Woods first and then Snow White. So I got to see him as a good guy. But uh, I, I love Chris Helmsworth, man. He's good times for me. I really enjoy him. And I'm looking forward to Red Dawn. I saw the preview yesterday. I was like, wow, this looks flipping great. So I'm very excited for it. And then I watched Gone uh, with Amanda Seyfried. Now, Gone was pretty cool. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. You know, my wife, I wasn't something I was dying to see, but my wife asked me to sit down and watch it with her. And I really enjoyed it. It was a pretty good thriller. You know, the first 10 minutes, I was pretty intrigued, wanting to know what was going on. These are the movies that kind of scare me, you know, the ones that could happen. Uh, but overall, though, I was very impressed with, like, uh, the overall story and uh, the pacing of the film. Uh, it was pretty, there was various people that showed up in the film that I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I did actually enjoy it. I thought it was good. I gave it like a solid three and a half stars, four stars. It, it was a really good thriller. It's been a long time since I saw a really good thriller. All right, now since I spent a little while reviewing films, I'm not going to go too much into movie news. I'm just going to talk about two stories that I thought were interesting. Uh, where the Hulk, uh, they are, you know, the planet Hulk, they're thinking about, there's rumors that the Hulk could end up in space, the whole planet Hulk storyline. And they do think it's a good idea, but there's something that I did find very, very interesting was the fact of, you know, we had this talk about all these Hulk movies. Well, guess what? Uh, according to one of the producers, he said that I do think that the Hulk can carry a movie and is as entertaining as he was in the Avengers. You know, that it would be as entertaining as he was in the Avengers. Uh, I believe he absolutely could. However, we certainly are not going to attempt that until Avengers 2. So there's a lot of time to talk about. So that Hulk film you were expecting is not coming until after Avengers 2. How do you feel about that? It's kind of a little different story that they made us believe. We kind of thought maybe we were getting a Hulk movie prior to Avengers 2. I mean, granted, it was never officially said, but that was kind of the assumption. So how do you kind of feel about that, that any Hulk movie that we might get 
would take place after Avengers 2. And then the last bit of news I wanted to talk about was uh, Transformers 4. Now, you know that I, I definitely dig the Transformers movies. Uh, you know, 3 is my favorite. And uh, we all know Michael Michael Bay. A lot of There's a lot of, you know, hate with this guy. Uh, but Pain and Gain is coming out on April 26th. That's the one that's starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Mark Wahlberg. It's going to be like his cheapest film since uh, since Bad Boys. But uh, he talked about Transformers 4 and why he couldn't resist coming back. And it was kind of interesting what he said. He said he thought he was done. Uh, but then the ride came out. And when he saw that there was two and a half hour lines, you start thinking, oh my God, someone's going to take this over. And you start doing a little soul searching. And I'm thinking that if I if I did this last one, we set it on a new footing and uh, we change a lot of things, but we keep the history of the three in place. But we brought in it so it could be set up and be carried on. It would have a better chance of survival, I guess. The bottom line is, when you go to Universal Studios and you have a two and a half hour line, it's hard to give it up. You birth the baby and you want to carry it on. We're basically taking it from the history of where it was or where we left it in Chicago. And we're going to carry it on from there. So it uh, sounds pretty cool. I mean, I, I kind of like his his thought process there. And it would be cool to, uh, you know, leave it open for someone else to pick it up. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with the film. So that's all I got to say for for that. So that's it for movie news. Let's go into uh, Let's go into our music news. Okay, so for music news this week... Um, there's a couple of songs that uh, I find very, very interesting. So, you know, I talked about last week on One More Night by Maroon 5. You know how I said I was never really a humongous Maroon 5 fan. However, after I saw the video, I really dug One More Night. And what's pretty cool is it is the number two song on the iTunes charts. And then the other one I want to talk about is Pink, Blow Me One Last Kiss. Now, here's the thing with Pink that I really enjoy about her. Uh, I like her attitude, you know, she's definitely a I don't care what you think about me kind of person, and she she doesn't dress r- ridiculously crazy like, you know, Lady Gaga or sometimes Katy Perry would, she's just all about being herself, uh, but this particular song, you know, usually Pink just knows how to write and deliver great songs that are just kind of anthem type songs, but this Blow Me One Last Kiss song, I've never been a fan of this tune. I don't know what it is. There's just something about it. It just seems kind of weak. You know, like her other stuff, you know, get the party started. Just uh, There's so many great songs that Pink has done that is just flipping mind-blowing. You know, so what? I mean, you guys know the tunes. She does a great job. But there's just something missing with this song. And, I'm, and it's not because they're swearing in the chorus because there's other tunes that she's had swearing i mean look at look at perfect you know pretty pretty please you know that i mean that song is beautiful and there's two versions of it there's the one where she says you're nothing but effing perfect and then that you're nothing but perfect you know i and i love the fact she recorded it twice did a clean version and and the real version she wanted to do which would be the explicit version you know if if that's what you like that's cool and again that song is just brilliant but I don't know, man. Blow Me One Last Kiss is just kind of weak. I don't know. On a scale of 1 to 10, I easily give that a 6. I just, you know, it's it's number 5, and I don't know. I'm just not digging it. Then I heard this song on the radio because of the fact of, you know, my car situation. I've been listening to the radio because of my other car. I didn't have a radio because my antenna broke, so I only had a CD player. So now that I have my wife's car driving around, she has an antenna. I'm listening to the radio. This song came on called Whistle, which is by Flo Rider. 
and uh, I this song is very catchy. However, uh, the lyrical content is definitely sexual. I mean, if you didn't know that, there's something wrong with you. I I at least think so. I mean, I'm pretty sure I heard the words right. I did hear it twice in the same day, and uh, it's uh, definitely. Uh, sexual innuendos on that tune. However, isn't there just, you know, I mean, and, and here's the deal. I mean, if, there's nothing wrong with those kind of songs. It's just, you know, if you want to play those songs, just when you're cleaning the house and your kids are around, those kind of songs, you don't really want them to hear if you know what I'm saying. But at the same time, it's kind of an irresistible tune. So I kind of have, I kind of have problems with this song because I like it, but I know I shouldn't like it if you know what I mean. So you know you don't ever get you ever get those songs where you listen to it and you're like, man, I really shouldn't like this song, but you do. That's kind of how I, this song is for me. So if you want to check it out, it's uh, number six on the iTunes chart. Just play the clip. You'll hear the little whistle sound uh, that he does. It's just the chorus just kind of sticks in your head. So uh, so check it out. And see see what you think. But that's kind of what I want to talk about. Where those couple tunes. Uh, and iTunes right now. Otherwise, music's been going pretty good. Uh, as you know, I've, I've just launched a new music show uh, for STL, and uh, again, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun times. You know, I'm gonna be pulling songs from from uh, soundtracks, new stuff, old stuff. Uh, probably I'll probably close out each show with a classic tune. You know, a tune that you don't need to say who the artist and song is. It's just one that you know, which is what I did. On the last episode, closing out with Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. So I'm very excited for the STL Underground Hour. And for those of you who haven't checked it out, why I called it that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, It's kind of pump up the volume style. You know, I wanted to make it kind of like a radio show where you're flipping through the radio and you got a DJ who's just playing some tunes. And I kind of throw in a little funny, you know, you got to have a commercial in your radio show. But of course, me, my commercials, I want to throw in some comedy bits. So I'm not gonna make it all about the all the Tom Mabe stuff. I'll throw in some funny Adam Sandler stuff and all that good stuff later. But I just want you know it's just an hour, just five tunes that I really dig. I really enjoy because of the fact of STL is a movie podcast, and I love music. And trying to do a, another podcast again would cost money and be hard, and, uh, and and you have to get it approved on iTunes, which can be kind of difficult to do if you're playing nothing but music they might not like that aspect so you want to kind of keep it on the down low kind of hide it in the underground since this is already an active feed and if you're a subscriber it's kind of like a bonus episode and you know as i mentioned in the last episode i kind of stole the idea from steve glossen the whole you know him doing his his side you know steve steve's corner talking about star wars i wanted to do something about music i've been wanting to do it for a while I actually was thinking about doing this prior to launching the Change of Channels podcast, but I, I just didn't really know how I wanted to do it, and then I just decided that I'd just do an hour long, do five tunes, and then uh, you guys have have always sent me saying, hey, I really dig this song, you know, but I've never actually played it on the show because, you know, I music is played a lot on STL. However, it's usually done during the movie and music news, and I can only spotlight one song, in each episode and I've got all these songs that I think a lot of people uh, may may never heard of before and may actually dig and that's kind of why I wanted to launch the show as a, as a bonus podcast you know what's really cool is 
It doesn't take me very long to put it together, and uh, I could easily put out an episode a week along with the regular ones. So again, let me know, stlpodcast at gmail.com or sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com, and let me know your thoughts, what you're thinking, if you're liking that, liking that stuff. So that is it, guys, for movie and music news. As far as video game news, I said I would talk about the Resident Evil 6 demo. I'll talk about that next episode just because the video game is going to be coming out on October 2nd and I kind of I need to get through the demo a little bit more and I've already spent enough time talking movies and music and stuff. So let's get into the review of Point Break. It's the ultimate rush. There's nothing that comes close to it. Not even sex. We are the ex-president. It's total commitment. It's a real thin line between life and death. I'm not a cook. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. If you want the ultimate, you got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and please don't forget to vote. You want to nail the bank robbers and be a big hero? Definitely. The ex-presidents are surfers. You're trying to tell me the FBI is going to pay me to learn to surf? Fear causes hesitation. Hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. He'll take you to the edge. Past it. This is going to be a great day, Johnny. Think taxpayers would like it, Utah, if they knew that they were paying a federal agent to surf and pick up girls? Babes. Big one. The correct term is babes, sir. interesting to tell me caught my first tube this morning sir all right point break very excited to talk this film you know this was the uh, first film to win the now going forward STL voting system so uh, I'm, I'm really happy this one you know I would have been happy if speed won but uh, I really do dig this flick, and it's funny. I never, I never would have watched this movie if it wasn't for my wife, and she just told me how good it was, and just check it out, and and I did, and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. So, Point Break, 1991 action film, which is directed by Catherine Bigelow, which is kind of funny, right? You know, there's not a lot of female directors out there, uh, but it's got Patrick Swayze in it, Keanu Reeves, Laurie Petty, and Gary Busey. Now, the title refers to uh, this surfing term, which is uh, where a wave breaks as it hits a point of uh, land jutting out from the coastline. So that's where you get the term point break. So now the film was uh, was a success upon you know its release, but the biggest thing is the sucker's got a huge cult following. And uh, this thing's on cable like all the time, man. Every time I'm flipping through the cable, this puppy is on. And I, and I flip and love it. Uh, usually it's on demand, but uh, if you have, I think Cinemax is the one. And uh, they play this thing like every other day. So it's good, good times. 
All right, so let's talk about the story of Point Break. So we have Keanu Reeves. Uh, name of his character is John in Utah, and uh, he's essentially a rookie FBI agent, and he also used to be an Ohio State quarterback. Now, his partner, played by Gary Busey, which I, I love this guy, man. Say what you will about him now, but, man, in, in Silver Bullet, DC Cab, uh, this movie, Gary Busey is just flipping awesome. He's not no psychopath. He's great. Uh, he's actually, uh, his name is uh, Angelo, and he's, you know, he's a veteran, if you will. He's, you know, been doing this for quite a while. Now, there's an investigation going on for a string of bank robberies by this gang known as, quote-unquote, the ex-presidents. Now, why are they called the ex-presidents? Well, they use these real creepy-looking masks of uh, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, uh, Jimmy Carter and Lydon Johnson. And of course, it's to disguise themselves from everybody. Now, um, Angelo's theories are that these criminals are surfers. Everybody thinks he's just, you know, the laughing joke of the FBI. But uh, he's got some valid reasons on why, you know, these guys could definitely be surfers and for sure why they are surfers. Now, uh, what they want to do is is they want to send Johnny undercover to infiltrate and uh, find out who this surfing, you know, who the community of the surfers are, basically. Now, knowing nothing of surfing, of course, uh, he he sees this girl out in, you know, surfing and he's like, you know, I got to persuade her because she's an orphan surfer girl. And uh, of course, being undercover, he in order to convince her says, you know, hey, you know, I'm an orphan too, and you know we got a lot in common, and I, I really need to learn because what he does is he goes out to, uh, he goes out surfing, and he almost dies, and she saves his life. That's kind of how they meet, and he's like, you know what, I need you to teach me how to surf, and uh, then after she kind of teaches him to surf, uh, he becomes, you know, he comes in contact with Brody, which is played by Patrick Swayze. And uh, he's the he's the leader of the surfers, the gang of surfers that you know are his uh, his buddies, which is Roach, uh, Gromet, and Nathaniel. And uh, Johnny realizes, well, they realize that uh, Johnny used to be a former college football star. So that's kind of where things start to like they want to hang out and stuff because of how cool he is. Now, at one point, Johnny will master the art of surfing, and uh, Johnny's going to find himself increasingly drawn to this lifestyle and by Brody's philosophies, if you will. Uh, and it's this is kind of a, a nice twist in this film is, uh, you know, if you've seen the movie Deep Cover with uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum, it's kind of along the same basis of kind of going too deep undercover to where you start to be a different person because you are so much into the lifestyle of the cover that you're in, if if you will. So, I mean, it gets really, really good. So there's a clue that's retrieved because when this movie came out, DNA, uh, there really wasn't a such thing. Now, obviously, there's DNA in everybody, but I'm talking the technology. This is 1991 we're talking about. You know, it couldn't be just a strain of hair, bam, they find out who you are and you get arrested kind of thing. This was, you know, a lot of a lot of research and a lot of time is taken. So uh, they have these toxins analyzed because there's a hair found uh, from one of the bank robberies. So Johnny and Angelo, they lead the FBI on a raid 
of a bunch of surfers that Johnny got into a confrontation with earlier in the film, which one of them is Anthony Kiedis from Red Hot Chili Peppers. That would be the lead singer for you guys that don't know that. And uh, it's just a really awesome scene. And uh, the group is actually not the ex-presidents as originally thought. And the raid inadvertently ruins um, one undercover. There's a DEA that actually has an undercover operation going on at the time, which is Tom Sizemore. A very thin Tom Sizemore. I always enjoy this guy. But, you know, of course, they ruin his undercover operation. It's been going on for like six months. So he's pissed off at them and... Johnny and, and Angelo are kind of in some serious hot water because of this crappy raid that occurred. So watching Brody's group surfing, Johnny suspects that they are ex-presidents uh, ex because of the fact of there is this one scene in the film which is uh, one of the bank robbers shows his butt and it says thank you on it. And one of the guys surfing pulls down his pants and slaps his butt the same way it was done in the video. Two and two hit Johnny and he's like, oh my gosh, these are the ex-presidents. So here's where things start to get crazy. So what happens is is that uh, Johnny tails Brody and his suspicions are confirmed when he sees that Brody and Roach are casing a bank. You know, they're, they're case, they case banks obviously to get the feel of who they want to rob and all that good stuff. And it, Johnny and Angelo stake out the bank uh, that they, and then the ex-presidents actually appear, which of course they're masked. And uh, Johnny, of course, reveals himself to be an FBI agent. They all freak out. They get in the car, and there's a really uh, – first, there's a foot chase, uh, but then it turns into a car chase. And uh, and the foot chase, man, becomes real crazy because it's Johnny versus Brody. Uh, but due to an all-football injury that occurred, uh, which caused him not to play football no more, there's an injury to his knee. Uh, during this crazy run, this crazy chase – he falls the wrong way, messes up his knee, and he can't catch up to Brody. Now, he has a clear shot to basically kill Brody. You know, I mean, they're looking at each other right in the eyes. And Johnny instead shoots up in the air and lets him escape. So, I mean, at this point, we're dealing with some crazy, crazy stuff. So Brody, uh, what he does is he recruits Johnny into going skydiving with them because, I mean, they all know that Johnny's an, you know, he's an FBI agent, but... At the same time, Brody, he really likes Johnny. So we get the, we get the skydiving scene. Now, uh, I did some research on this film. There's a lot of goofs in this film, if you will. But one thing is Patrick Swayze, he is actually a skydiver. And there's various scenes where I was like, dude, I swear that's Patrick Swayze for real actually skydiving. And guess what? There's various scenes in this film where he actually is skydiving, which is pretty cool. Uh, but Brody, he recruits Johnny into going skydiving with him and his friends. And Johnny's still without proof that, uh, you know, Brody's clan is bank robbing. He's got to go along with it. It's kind of this secret, I know who you are, you know who I am, but nobody actually says anything kind of scene. It's really cool. Now, after the jump, Brody reveals that he knows that Johnny's the FBI, that he's an FBI agent. And uh, he arranged to have Rosie which Rosie is not a surfer. He's just a thug, and uh, he holds Tyler hostage. And uh, it's a really great scene I'll go into in just a little bit, but Johnny is forced to go with the ex-presidents on their last bank robbery of the summer so that way they can take off uh, because they've had like 30 hits because they basically only robbed during the summer to pay for their fun summer vacations, if you will. 
So, um, you know, Johnny goes to, you know, he's he's part of the bank robbery. The robbery just goes completely wrong because they have this thing where they, they're in and out in 90 seconds. They never hit the vault. They only hit the cashiers. But, of course, Brody screws things up. He has them go in the vault. And by doing that, um, there's uh, times take longer. An off-duty police officer and security guard try to stop the robbery. They get killed. One of his crew gets killed. And, of course, Brody uh, doesn't let Johnny come with, knocks him out, leaves him at the scene. Now, um, defying their boss because their boss is just, uh, he's some very interesting times and interesting character. Angelo and Johnny decide that they're going to go to the airport where they know that Brody Roach and Nathaniel are about ready to leave for Mexico, which is also where Rosie awaits them uh, with Tyler. And in a shootout, Angelo and Nathaniel actually get killed. So it sucks seeing Gary Busey die. And Roach is seriously wounded. So, I mean, we're talking like there ain't no more crew. There's not much crew left. Now, Roach is aboard and uh, aboard this plane. And Brody actually forces Johnny to come on the plane as well by gunpoint. Now, once they're in the air, uh, they decide to do, you know, they're at their intended jump point that they need to be at. Brody and Roach, uh, they put on the parachutes, jump from the plane, and uh, they leave Johnny to, uh, you know, to be in the plane. Now, there's no other parachutes available, so Johnny jumps out of the flipping plane holding Brody's gun. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy scene. Now, you know, of course, I'm going to talk about this whole parachute and, and, and stuff like that, this whole scene, which is uh, not really realistic, obviously. It is, but it isn't to a certain point, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, for the movie itself, it's really cool. Um, he speeds fast enough to where he's able to catch up to Brody. Uh, but Brody's telling him he's got to drop the gun or he's not going to open the parachute and land safely. Johnny drops the gun. Perfect timing. Uh, but when they land, though, his knee gives out, of course, which Brody is able to escape. But uh, Brody does release Tyler and uh then Roach actually dies of his wounds, so Brody and Rosie leave with the money. So you're thinking, okay, the movie is almost over. So nine months later takes place, and then we get Mr. Bill and Ted, uh, bogus journey Keanu Reeves shows up. Because this, uh, he, you could tell he was easily filming that movie at the same time as this one because his hair is exactly the way it was in Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So Johnny tracks down Brody uh, or Bodie at the at this place in Australia, and uh, the place is uh, Bell's Beach, which is in Victoria, Australia. So there's this record storm that's about ready to hit, which is producing lethal waves. Now, Brody is all about living his life for this one particular wave, and they explain it in the movie how you know where it's going to be and everything like that. But essentially, if you ride this wave, you're going to die. But he's all about living his life for this one experience. This is a once in a lifetime wave, you know, and it's the thing that, you know, he'd be willing to die for. It's known as the 50 year storm. So uh, Brody, uh, you know, talking about the 50 year storm obviously pays off when we get to the end. But there's actually a fight between Brody and Johnny and uh, Johnny, you know, handcuffs, handcuffs him ready to take him in. Uh, but but uh, Bodie begs Johnny to release him so he can uh, ride the once in a wife uh, the once in a lifetime wave, and uh, knowing that there's no way he's gonna come back alive, and he knows that uh, you know he's still really close to this guy, he decides that it's actually a win-win because he gets to let his friend, uh, if you will call him that, take his last wave. 
but he knows that he's going to die and he's not going to go to jail. So he gets his man after all. So Johnny releases him and uh, the authorities watch and, and he basically dies. Johnny walks away, throws his FBI badge into the ocean and the movie is over. All right, so let's talk about the things that I really, really like in this film. And uh, I definitely enjoy the beginning. You know, the movie starts and ends the same way. It starts in the rain and ends in the rain, which is pretty cool. You know, in the beginning, you have short hair, Keanu Reeves, and then it ends in the rain again, but he's got long hair. And it's just, I don't know, there's just something cool about it. It's not really a big deal, but it's just something I noticed. I just thought it was kind of cool that it did that. So uh, the intro with uh, with the boss. Now, the boss is good times in this movie. Uh, the boss is uh, John C. McGinley, uh, which may sound a little bit familiar to you if you are currently watching Burn Notice. He is uh, Michael Weston's boss. And uh, you'll probably know him from various things. He was uh, Perry Cox in Scrubs. He was Bob in Office Space. Uh, he was also in Platoon. He was Marv in uh, Wall Street. So, I mean, this guy's been in a lot of stuff. I mean, he was, he was very young, of course, in this film. I mean, not like very, very young, but he was young enough. And he was a very interesting boss. This guy uh, always had something negative to say, but uh, he was he was some funny times. Now, what I really dig, of course, uh, is the talk with uh, him and Keanu Reeves talking about is there an a-hole shortage and he just walks away and Keanu Reeves sticks a donut in his mouth and just says, uh, not so far, you know, and, and of course it's just, it's just some funny good times. And then we get Gary Busey and I love me some Gary Busey, man. He is just, he's just funny. You know, I know he's kind of crazy right now, but you know, ever since Silver Bullet, or, well, I should say DC Cab because I saw him in DC Cab first, but I just love him in Silver Bullet. He's just so good. And he was really funny in this, you know, he's, you know, he's in his training, he's got to put on these blindfolds and he's got to jump in the pool to pick up these bricks. And of course he's going to complain about it. He's like, look, I've been in this for 30 plus years and I've shot my weapon over this many times, but there ain't nothing on the job that's going to require you to jump into a pool and pick up bricks. So as he's blindfolded, he starts talking smack about his new partner and uh, just starts to go off saying he's some punk quarterback. And uh, when they do actually meet, he's like, what's your name? He's like, punk, quarterback punk, you know, kind of like Bond, James Bond. It was just really cool. But I, I dig uh, Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey. They do have a really good uh, chemistry together in this film, which is some good times. Now, the masks that the guys wear, the ex-presidents, those are some good creepy masks, man, I'll tell you. Uh, they look like, obviously, the president's. And they're just creepy. There's just something about them. Just, I don't know. It's got a Michael Myers type vibe to it for me. Uh, that's when the masks back in the day were kind of cheap, but really quality looking masks. Not really some lame mask that you want to sell to have, you know, kid waste their money on. It was like, actually, people took time and, and quality in making their masks. And these masks are, are, are flipping great. I love them. That's some good stuff. Now, when we get the bank heist, I really enjoy this. You know, that's when you see everything take place in 90 seconds. You see the die packs. They just throw it. I mean, you could tell these guys know what they're doing, as they say in the film. They're professionals. And, uh, and I love one of the lines that, I mean, which you can clearly tell is Patrick Swayze when he's like, you know, we've been screwing you for years. A couple more seconds won't hurt. And uh, I really dig the whole first robbery scene. It really sets things up. And it's kind of funny. There's some funny lines that are kind of said through the various uh, the various 
ex-president. So overall, I really dig the whole bike, the bank heist in the beginning of the film. Now, I love the fight between Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey when, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves says that he wants to go take a look at the vehicle because they always get rid of their vehicles and they're just really good at being ghosts, if you will. Gary Busey's kind of mad about it. He's like, it's kind of pointless, but he's frustrated at this point because nobody's believed him and Keanu Reeves wants to help him. You know, he's like, look, I, I believe you and I need to, I want to hear the perspective from you because we can put two and two together and we can solve this case. It was a really good fight. It was, you know, it definitely moved the story along and it brought those two closer together because the rest of the film, uh, Gary Busey's character has got his back and it's just good. It's a good fight. You know, it's definitely a fight that pays off later on in the film. Now, uh, it is kind of funny uh, when the guy shows his butt. It says, thank you. And they, when they're investigating, you know, um, Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey, they're trying to put everything together. And he's giving them the whole surfer theory. The whole screen in the background is just kind of dead center, his butt. It's just kind of, I don't know if that was intentional or what, but it's just real funny in the background. If you just look, it's just the dude's butt just sitting there, the whole conversation and the whole piecing of everything together. I mean, it's a good four minutes. So for like four minutes, you're staring at someone's rear end. So if you liked his rear end, I you're probably happy with that. But I just thought it was kind of odd, but kind of funny at the same time. Now, you got to love the kid from uh, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I believe his name was Zach in the film. He was the one that was all about uh, trying to get with uh, with a, with a girl. He was kind of like the middle kid. He wasn't the oldest one, but he wasn't the youngest. He was the middle. He's the one that sells Keanu Reeves' character, uh, his, his 57 Chevy-style surfboard. And when I saw him, I was like, hey, don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. It was some good stuff. I don't know the kid's name or anything, but if you've seen the movie, uh, the middle boy is actually the kid behind the counter, which is pretty cool. Uh, now, how hard can it be was some good stuff because this actually shows you that being a surfer isn't all about, whoa, dude, you know, talking like an idiot and stuff like that. This actually showed you this is pretty legitimate because they take some guy, which obviously is not Keanu Reeves goes out and shows you how deep the water is and if you fall off how dangerous it is when you fall off your surfboard and how you could easily drown especially if you don't know what you're doing i like that aspect you know it kind of this movie does give in a way respect to surfers by you know proving that you don't have to be some blonde long hair blonde idiot to get on a board and go out there i mean like you guys know from yeah it's that bad one of my favorite podcasts martin is a surfer and he definitely doesn't sound anything like your typical normal surfer. So I really enjoy this scene because, you know, Keanu Reeves almost dies. Uh, obviously not for real, but Johnny almost dies from drowning. So it's a good way to set up that surfing is uh, very serious. And you got to take it seriously and show respect because you don't want to mess with Mother Nature, man. Because it will bite you in the rear end if, if you're uh, disrespectful. Now, Lori Petty. Lori Petty's some good times. Lori Petty... Uh, biggest movie that I really enjoy her in is a league of a league of their own, which is the Gina Davis, uh, baseball film. Uh, she was Gina Davis's sister. Um, she's, uh, she's good. Uh, she was in tank girl. 
which is funny. Um, she's not really in this movie a whole lot, but she's a good character. Um, she definitely, you can see the chemistry between her and Johnny. I really enjoyed her. She wasn't annoying or anything. She was pretty good. She was kind of annoying a lot in a league of their own, but I found her to be very tolerable. Uh, I mean, she's not my favorite actress in the whole entire world, but she did her job right in this film. I don't have any complaints on Lori Petty, Uh, or her character in this film. Now, what's funny is my wife has seen this film uh, a lot of times. You know, this is one of her films that she would watch anytime. But uh, when we watched it, well, she was was taking a nap, getting ready before she went to work. And she happened to turn over uh, at the part where Lori Petty was done surfing and she was changing where she had a towel over herself. So she took her bra off, but she put the shirt over and then she took her underwear off and then put her put her pants on where she had no underwear underneath and my wife said boy that's some chafing going on there which i just thought was kind of humorous and funny because you know obviously it's a female thing it was, but i just thought it was kind of comical but yeah uh that that scene is supposed to set up how johnny uh likes her you know not just uh to get to what he needs to know but that he genuinely is starting to, he thinks she's attractive and he wants to get to know her. So that was pretty cool. Now, Patrick Swayze, love me some Patrick Swayze. You know, one of my favorite Patrick Swayze movies is probably a movie most people would be kind of shocked. It's not Dirty Dancing, but it's Ghost. I really, really love Ghost. Um, There's just something about that movie that's just so good. You know, I mean, it's definitely a chick flick in a way, but at the same time, it's not because you deal with like hell and uh, you see demons coming out from hell and dragon souls in and you get the creepy vibe of, uh, you know, possession and stuff like that. It's just, it's a really, it's a movie that has a lot of different things in it, which I really enjoy. Uh, You know, there's a love story, there's a murder, there's possession going on. Whoopi Goldberg obviously uh, was huge because she was, uh, she won an Oscar for that role. And if I remember correctly, she was the first African-American woman to win an Oscar. So, I mean, Ghost, for me, I love that movie. You can't talk crap about Ghost. I really enjoy it. That's probably my favorite Patrick Swayze movies. Hands down would be Ghost, followed by Roadhouse, then this movie, and then Dirty Dancing, which which I admit I like Dirty Dancing. You know, it's my wife's favorite movie of all time. So, of course, you know, whenever it's on TV or whatever, I watch it. You know, I've come to really, you know, really like the movie. Uh, there's a lot of dudes that hate on it, and that's cool. That's your thing. You want to hate on it? That's that's all good. But for me, I like Dirty Dancing. But it's by no far my favorite Patrick Swayze movie. But overall, though, Patrick Swayze, some good times in this movie. Uh, you know, one thing with Patrick Swayze, I love the way the dude walks. It's like he speed walks almost. It's just, it's like he's got this, when he starts walking, he's like on a mission and you can't get in his way. There's just something about the way he always walks just kind of crack me up. It's not like a stupid walk or anything, but I just, he's just a very determined person when he walks. And my wife says he kind of looks like he speed walks, which is all good and dandy. But I like his hair because his hair isn't done like this in any other movie. And you kind of know he's the bad guy right from the beginning. But he's a very likable bad guy. And technically speaking, uh, yeah, I guess you could say he's a bad guy. I mean, he robs banks to him. He's not a bad guy because he's not this to him. It's not about money. It's about living and feeling alive, getting the adrenaline rush. This guy's an adrenaline junkie. So for him, 
robbing banks isn't, you know, obviously it's breaking the law and everything like that. But, I mean, this guy is definitely a gray character. He's not a black character. He's not a white character. He definitely falls between the gray area uh, character of uh, he's he's good, he's bad, uh, but he has right intentions. But obviously things fall apart when he makes the wrong decision and gets his crew killed. But overall, though, I really enjoy Patrick Swayze in this film. He was definitely solid and uh, very, very good time. So the football scene is great. Now, here's the thing. Uh, how many people noticed Karate Kid in this film? Anybody? Anybody? Yes, it's true. The football beach scene is the same beach used in the Karate Kid where Daniel met Ali and he does, you know, the whole uh, playing soccer and gets into a fight with the Cobra Kai. So, yes, this is the same beach of the Karate Kid, which is pretty flippin' sweet, but I like this, you know. And did anybody notice it sounded like smoke in the water in the background? Uh, but it wasn't smoke in the water, though, you know. Dun, 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 dun. You, know, you know how that tune goes. You know, it's really crazy, catchy guitar riff. But it sounded like it was smoke in the water, but a different song at the same time. It was really weird. I couldn't tell for sure what it was, but it sounded so much like smoke in the water. But anyways, what I dig is the whole tackling him into the water because his dudes get pissed off and they're like, was that really necessary? But as soon as he got tackled, uh, you know, Modi instantly knew who Johnny was, which was pretty cool. And then they all just instantly uh, accepted him into his into his clan, which was pretty cool. And here's the thing with Johnny, why I think he immediately, um, you know, he knows what he's got to do. He's got to infiltrate uh, surfers. Now these guys, I don't think, I mean, obviously he didn't suspect any of these guys were the ex presidents until the scene later on in the film. But I think he just liked being part of a group and just having friends. And he just wanted to be a part of something outside of being a police officer. You know, I mean, we all want to be accepted inside our work and outside of our work. So I could totally see where Johnny's character is coming from. Now, one scene I love is when uh, they're getting reamed. Uh, Johnny and Gary Busey, they're just getting reamed. And uh, Keanu Reeves has a surfboard in the office. And, uh, you know, and they start talking how it's been, you know, all this time. It's been three weeks and you have no leads. And is there anything that you want to tell me that is even close to being valid for this case? And with a straight face, he says, I caught my first tube, sir. I mean, it's the funniest thing ever. I mean, I was I was busting up laughing. That was a great scene, and uh, it was really, really good. So the whole hair thing with no DNA. Now, if you were going to remake this film, which unfortunately they said that they are going to do, you're going to have to change this around here because you can't do the whole hair thing because of DNA technology. This whole hair is easily going to trace back to one of these guys, and the movie is going to be over in like 15 minutes. So they're going to have to figure out something to do in the remake. This works because the movie is filmed in 91, which obviously means the movie won't hold up today's standards in a way. But for the remake, they're going to have to change this aspect of the film and figure out another way of trying to go in the right direction of figuring out the wrong surfer group before you go to the right surfer group. And I mean that where... You know, they realize the same beach and, you know, where Johnny follows the wrong set of surfers instead of the surfers he's been hanging out with. So, like I said, for the remake, they're going to have to update this section. 
But it is a funny scene, though, because Johnny and Angelo have to go on the beach and pull people's hair. And, uh, you know, some dudes are uh, smoking weed. But what's really funny in this scene is we get some Bill and Ted action where he's like, hey, brah, you know, because dudes don't say bro. They say brah when they're surfers. Hey, brah, you got something in your hair, brah, you know, and then he pulls, he pulls his hair and pretends, yeah, brah, I just saved your life, you know, and talking exactly like, you know, Bill and Ted, excellent adventure and bogus journey. It's some good times. So I definitely, you know, Keanu Reeves does a great job of being serious and then going and flipping it right to Bill and Ted movies. It's good stuff. Now, who wasn't excited to see Anthony Kiedis? Love me some Anthony Kiedis, which Anthony Kiedis and Flea are from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Flea isn't in this movie. Uh, They both actually were in the movie called The Chase with Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson. Uh, But they have been in various movies together, either solo or together. And Anthony Kiedis is just a surfer who uh, there's one scene where he actually shoots his foot. But uh, he's in this fight that takes place where him and his crew are beating up Johnny for the first time before um, Bodie comes in to help rescue and everything like that. But it was cool seeing Anthony Kiedis because, like I said, I, I definitely enjoy this guy. And um, I, I like the whole um, Death Wish scenario. Where, you know, does does Brody have a whole death wish? You know, that's kind of played out through the film. Does he or doesn't he? And, you know, for me, I can see where he's coming from, where all he wants to do, he's he's waiting for this moment to ride this wave. So in a sense, he has a death wish because he knows if he rides it, he's going to die. But he's all about, in his mind, he's doing the right thing because he is all about... Um, living you know take each day as its last all about living and i can respect that but he's obviously doing it in a bad way you know there's a difference between living each day like it's your last and going out and robbing banks if you know what i'm saying so now you gotta love how mr fbi broke the law and what do i mean by that well when Lori petty and and keanu reeves characters get together uh you know they start kissing well guess what they have sex on the beach We all know that uh, that's public, you know, what is it, public, uh, you know, you guys are screaming at me right now. What is that? Indecent exposure, yeah. So having sex on a beach is indecent exposure, and obviously you're the FBI, you should not be breaking the law, but, you know, he needed to do what he needed to do, and he did it on the beach. So it just kind of cracked me up when I saw that first thing that hit my mind is, hey, breaking the law, breaking the law. All right, so uh, I love the raid scene, you know, where they go in and there's the lawnmower playing in the in the background, so it's really hard for them to hear, and Anthony Kiedis and his boys pull out their guns. Now, there's this one girl that's in a shower, and then there's another girl that answers the door. Uh, here's a huge problem I have with this particular scene where Gary Busey breaks in. He's like, FBI, sweetheart. The guy starts shooting a machine gun, and... It doesn't hit her. I mean, the bullet, he shoots the gun, the bullets go out, and then Gary Busey grabs her and moves in the other room. It should have hit the girl in the back and killed her. So that was completely off. And then the other one is when the girl gets out of the, you know, in the shower and she kicks, she knees um, Johnny in the nuts. You can clearly see that she kicked him in his uh, hip. And not hip, but like his uh, his thigh. He she kicked him in the thigh, 
but it's supposed to be his nuts. And you could tell it's supposed to be a nut shot by the way he fell and moan and groan and stuff like that. But, I mean, that was bad editing right there. But those two scenes are really the only bad part of this raid. Otherwise, I mean, it's a really good scene, the shootout. Uh, the whole lawnmower thing where, you know, uh, Johnny's face is in the lawnmower and can he get out of it in time? And I, I really dig the scene outside of those two complaints I have. Now, you got to love when uh, Johnny tells Angelo, dude, I know I'm right. These are the guys. And that's when Angelo's like, last time you were right, uh, I killed a guy, you know, because he's talking about the raid, how he killed somebody. And he's like, I know this is it. And you got to love it, man. That whole, I love the whole scene where, you know, Johnny's like, FBI freeze, put your guns down. And that whole chasing after him as they're in a vehicle. And then there's just a good old car chase scene. And then it's Johnny going after uh, Bodie, you know, running through houses, breaking through windows. Uh, it was, it was shot very well. Um, there was really no shaky cam. And if there was, it really worked well for this scene. It was pretty intense. This is probably my favorite scene of the film is the whole chasing of Bodie throughout the houses and the yards. And then the dog, you know, they throw a flipping pit bull on, uh, on Johnny. Now this pit bull should have easily ate his face off, but instead he's able to turn around and kick it to where, you know, it does the, the dog gets hurt sound and he continues chasing after him. But I really dig this scene. This is my favorite scene of the film. Definitely. And uh, I do love prior to the dog being thrown on him, you know, before the chase started, uh, Keanu Reeves and and, uh, Patrick Swayze rolling around on fire. It really looks like them. They're really on fire. I thought that was pretty cool, cool uh, special effect or not special effect, but stunt that they did. Now, of course, when when Johnny lets Brody loose, you know, and shoots the bullets up in the air, you know, you have Angelo confronting him and says, you know, you don't miss. he basically says, you know, you don't miss unless you did that on purpose because you either miss because you're scared or you did it on purpose. And I know you're not scared. You're getting in too deep and you care for these people and you shouldn't because they're the criminals. And it was just a really cool. It's not really a fight like it was before, but it's just a partner to a partner trying to put the other one in check. And I really dig that. I thought there was I thought it was some good stuff. And then, of course, we have, uh, you know, Bodie talk about how it's not about the money. It's never been about the money when the guys are scared and saying, you know, he's an FBI agent. What are we going to do? And he tries. That's when you kind of get his perspective of things of how it's never been about the money. It's all about living. And do you trust me? And I know how to take care of this guy. Uh, so, I mean, that, that kind of gives you at this point your character view of uh of patrick swayze's character now the parachute scene here's what my issues are with the parachute scene uh i never would have had any problems with this until i watched um mythbusters now mythbusters took this particular scene and they said that you could not have a conversation in the air if you were skydiving and obviously throughout this film there's various conversations you know they're they're yelling at each other but they can hear but in Mythbusters, they would show the camera of them yelling at each other and neither one of them could hear each other. They said it's, it's impossible for you to have a conversation while you're, sky, while, while you're skydiving. Which unfortunately kind of ruined this scene for me when I watched that. Um, and of course, it's been a while, so I don't remember the exact details if... Well, it would be possible if, you know, maybe you were this close to somebody's ear, you could. But from what I remember, I mean, it's been about a good 
three years since I've seen this episode. But from what I remember, they basically said that you could not have a conversation with somebody while you were skydiving. But I've never skydived, so obviously I don't know if this is 100% fact. Uh, but they did prove that if you streamline, you know, you put your body in a certain way that you can, you can, uh, you can go down faster. And that's how uh, he, Johnny is later able to catch up to Patrick Swayze because of the way that he moved his body. He moved faster through the air and that's how he's able to catch up. That is a fact. I do remember that for sure. Uh, so if you're just going along with it, it's really good. The whole parachute scene and everybody talking to each other and doing the whole round, you know, circle formation, you know, some good stuff. Uh, now I love the whole, um, you know, the look on, uh, on Bodie's face when he's got to show Johnny the video and the video I'm talking about is, uh, you know, when Tyler is, uh, on the video, she's gagged up and you could just see the pain in his face. He's like, you know, sorry, brah. Um, you know, that, uh, this is going to sting a little bit, but it's for your own good, brah. And, uh, man, you could just see it was just killing him, showing him this video. But of course, Johnny wants to kill him. And he's like, look, man, you know, without me, you're not going to get her back. And I just love when he's like, uh, we're wasting time. And then Bodie's like, you know, that's what I love about you, man. You're always sharp, sharper as you're just as sharp as a razor. And then we get the crazy bank scene. Because, you know, earlier in that scene, he said, you know, how much he hates violence. And then they go to the bank scene and that's when he decides to to hit the vault. And uh, I have to admit, man, this cop really was stupid. Okay, if you are in a bank and I get your job is to protect everybody. Okay, I totally get that. All right. I know it's that's your job. That's your calling. That's you're you're ready to lay your life down for that. I get that. But if you're in a bank with dudes with shotguns and there's five of them and you are by yourself and you have no backup forget the security guard you do not pull out your gun and play rambo and start you that's the movies okay you're gonna get killed so it doesn't surprise me that this undercover cop got killed yes it's unfortunate it's a horrible thing uh it of course that blows the whole plan you know if they would have just stuck with it they would have got out safely but it's just i just told i thought this cop was so dumb because of the fact of he was going to take on all these guys by himself and it's just i don't know it's just i'm just frustrated with that scene but I, obviously it, it has to happen but i i would just wish that if a real cop was in that situation that if he was to do it he would be able to pull it off successfully and not end up like this guy did. That's what my wish and, uh, and dream would be is that if this really happens, I pray to God that the cop can make it through this because there ain't the odds are way against you in this situation is all I'm saying. Now, earlier I talked about how um, Patrick Swayze was skydiving, which uh, is clearly in this scene where they're up in the air. This is after Gary Busey's characters died. And uh, they're up in the plane and there's only two parachutes and uh, and Patrick Swayze jumps out. And, uh, and when he jumped out, I was like, man, that really looks like he really skydived for real. Uh, I was like, if that's a special effect or some set, that's some really good stuff. But that was actually him. He really jumped out of the plane at that time because he was an expert skydiver. So it was okay for him to do that. Uh, obviously in the beginning of the film, the whole him surfing, you can clearly tell it's another guy. Uh, the guy does look a lot like Patrick Swayze. That's actually doing the surfing in the beginning of the film. 
Um, they don't really hide the fact of it's another dude. It's kind of like an episode of Knight Rider where you can clearly tell that the guys fighting are stunt guys and not David Hasselhoff. Uh, that was a little bit bad in the beginning with the whole showing Brody's character for the first time surfing. But at least the skydiving scenes, uh, the guy that is skydiving looks more like Patrick Swayze than the guy who was the surfer. And most of the time it is Patrick Swayze, but obviously there's various scenes that could not be him or it was just made for the movie. But him initially jumping out of the plane was really him. Now we get to the end. I love how Keanu Reeves looks with his long hair and it's raining like like just like in the beginning and he throws the mask down at, uh, at, at Bodie and, uh, and they just have the conversation and they have the fights. And the coolest thing though is the whole, you know, the 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 smile on his face. And that's when he can he's trying to convince Johnny to let him go. You know, where am I going to go? I can't I can't escape. You know, this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been living for. And when he when he lets him go, the smile on Patrick Swayze's face is just priceless cuz he's just like thank you for still being my friend and still understanding what I'm living for. You know, so it was it was a good way to end the flick, man. So overall, um, I really really enjoy this movie. I think I enjoy it more as I watch it. Now there are a few issues. If you go to IMDb and you look at the goofs, you can clearly see there's a lot of different um, plot things. You know, I pointed out a few things that wouldn't flow well, but it's still an enjoyable, fun movie. Um, I would definitely give it a very strong three and a half stars. Uh, maybe a week four. I mean, there's some things that don't hold up well today, like the whole uh, DNA thing with the hair and stuff and, uh, you know, the whole talking while you're skydiving. Again, I'm just going off of what I've seen on Mythbusters. If you can really do that, you know, please let me know. But uh, overall, though, it's just a really fun movie. It's got a lot of good action and uh, there's some good comedy bits and uh, a lot of good. The the chase scene alone is very well, very well done. Very fun movie. So I give it a very, very strong three and a half week four stars. Really good flick. So uh, go check it out. Buy the sucker on Blu-ray. It's some good time. So that's it, guys, for the review. Let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our first email comes from Sebastian the Internationalist, and uh, he wrote about Point Break and some other movies. The first one was about Point Break, and he said three and a half star. Well, he said three point five stars, so three and a half stars. A decent action movie with a really good cast. Never seen before this podcast, so hopefully you enjoyed the film. Uh, I may revisit Point Break at a later date. Uh, and then he goes on and reviews Water for Elephants, three point seven five stars. Uh, a sad and often touching movie, a great and well-rounded cast. This is first movie where I noticed that Patterson can act. Uh, this is obviously Robert Patterson from Twilight fame. Another good surprise is Christopher Waltz from watching his other performances. This is my second favorite performance, followed by Inglorious Bastards. Next week or week after, Cosmopolis is coming to a local theater, and I heard many glowing reviews. And his last one is about uh, Lawless. And uh, he really loved this film. He gave it five stars. And he said, great cast, superb and true story of a family of bootleggers. 
on a few, not really bootleggers as an internet, and a few really good emotional scenes. The theme of family and what we do for them flowed from the seams. Uh, the same is applied to making money. The audience and I laughed many a time, even when we weren't supposed to. Bane, final dance scene, and what happened next brought laughter. Then, oh God, before return to chuckling, ending with uh, eyes flowing up or a f- tear falling down. After seeing the ending, I want to go and hug my parents. So, and that's Sebastian International. So thank you, sir. Um, uh, that's some good times. You know, I heard, uh, you know, as far as Lawless goes, I you're the first one I've heard that actually gave it a really good uh, review. So that's pretty cool. I definitely check it out when it hits DVD. I haven't heard too many great things about it, but I'm glad you enjoyed it, sir. So thanks again for writing in. Always a good time. And our next email comes from Cheerful Charlie. Now, Cheerful Charlie uh, didn't have much to say. He just said, point break, haven't seen it. Enough said. And that's all he had to say. So hopefully Cheerful Charlie has had a chance to uh, go take a look and uh, watch the film. Uh, Our next email comes from uh, John the Music Man. He's like, hello Mike and STL Nation. Let's talk speed. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean point break. This is my first Keanu Reeves film after Bill and Ted. So I watched this movie because of the Bill and Ted movies. Uh, This is a great film. uh, Such fun. It was so cool when he jumped out of the plane with no parachute. The film always made me want to learn to surf as well. uh, But of course, I never did. Lori Petty was great in this film. And if you like her, uh, she's a must-see in Tank Girl. That movie is uh, some fun and uh, also has my boy Ice-T in it. Uh, and that's just another email rant and that's from john the music man so thanks sir for writing in always a good time thank you so much and our next email uh we actually have a new emailer so what happens guys when we get a new member of the stl nation That's right. We have a new member of the STL Nation. How do you become a member? It's simple. All you got to do is write in an email. You automatically become a member of the STL Nation. Uh, usually your nickname doesn't come into play until like your second or third email. Usually I got to kind of get your feel for how you're doing emails and stuff. But this one uh, comes from Elizabeth. And uh, again, thank you so much for writing. She's like, hello, Miss Tunis. First time emailer. My name is Elizabeth, which I automatically knew who it was. Uh, you probably know me on Facebook as Elizabeth Bullington. And I've been listening to you since you started, which... Thank you so much for being a longtime fan and sticking with me through all the thick and thin and all the differences of the show. And uh, just I can't thank you guys enough for all that have stuck with me, especially from the beginning. And uh, and always wanted to write in, but uh, I always was either too late to write in or, you know, so hopefully that changes and uh, the time uh, and the time has come. So I like Point Break, and every time it's on TV, I watch it, but I don't love it. I enjoy the movie very much, but I don't think it's one of my favorites, like Lethal Weapon series or Bad Boys, which are uh, are better. Uh, the the only ones I can think of on the top of, top of my head, which are the best, uh, and are the only ones she can think of on the top of her head. Which I agree. I mean, Lethal Weapon is just a phenomenal series. I mean, this is just a fun movie. It's not not a movie that i absolutely love and adore or anything like that but it's definitely a fun film and i agree with you bad boys one and delete the weapon series obviously are superior she goes on to say uh, there's not the great acting like most action movies and i think the ending i hate because i wanted johnny utah played by uh, keanu reeves to catch um 
to catch Bodie, played by Patrick Swayze. I just wanted a happy ending where the cops got the bad guy and uh, didn't get it uh, that he let him go um, and let him uh, do his last wave. And do you think he died or he uh, lived and uh, started a new gang and started robbing again? Uh, you know, Tim. To answer your question, he clearly died. I mean, number one, uh, this is evident by the middle of the film when Johnny uh, has just tackled Keanu Reeves in the water and they realize who he is and they're in the fire. And Lori Petty starts to talk about, you know, the guys she's surrounded with. And that's where they talk about how uh, how this perfect wave comes in and it's it's done every so many years uh, based on, you know, the storms that have happened and that it's definitely a wave that will that will kill you because of how powerful it is. But that it's something that I I'm will I want to die for because they say, man, I'm not even going to live to be 30 years old. They all say uh, that they're they want to just live life to the fullest and that they're not going to make it past 30. So right then and there, they tell you how crazy this wave is. And then when you get to the wave, you can see that how big and crazy it is before they even get to Patrick Swayze. The the wave was like 50 to 60 feet tall. I mean, it was ridiculous. And, uh, when he gives that look, you know, Keanu Reeves knows for a fact that he is not going to die. So he let him go for two reasons. One, he knew that he was going to die. So he got his man, you know, as Patrick Swayze says, Johnny Utah got his man, you know? Uh, and then also he knew that he was living for this moment and he was ready to die for this moment and out of respect for that and their friendship that's why he let him go that's my take on it so hopefully you agree and if you don't that's you know uh hopefully that will help you make a little bit more sense of the ending there so no i think he died and he's not going to start robbing again and she goes on to say or um he lived on his own island and uh changed his name and uh, where he did with all the money where'd they go to spend it all but my rating is four stars i'd give it five if it wasn't for the ending which is real funny that you say that if it wasn't for the ending you'd give it five stars but that's cool Uh, she says keep doing the great work masoonis elizabeth so thank you so much elizabeth for you know you've been on the facebook page many times uh you're definitely part of the stl nation group but i'm glad to officially have you part of the STL Nation as far as emails go? So I'll come up with a uh, with the nickname for you. You just gotta you know gotta write it in again so I can think of something. So our last email comes from John the Mailman. Good to hear from you, sir. It's been a while. He's like, hello, Mike. Uh, I just wanted to check in. He said I'm still very busy around here and at work. People still out hurt at work. Uh, it's getting, but I'm getting crazy hours, and it's well needed with the big family. I got five kids to feed. He didn't actually say that, but I'm just throwing that in. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch much. Uh, I've missed uh, the days of watching a movie with you along with the podcast. A sad face, which I agree with you, sir. You know, always he was always one of the first ones to email in. Uh, he did go on to say, "I I watched Rocky three. Rocky 4, Rocky 5. 3 is some good times. 4 is one of the greatest movies ever made. And 5 wasn't as bad as I remembered. You know, I do like the Rocky films a lot. And I see why you think 4 is, you know, one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it's definitely the most quote-unquote Hollywood of the franchise. Because the the color looks amazing. The cinematography is amazing. The music's great. Uh, Stories, good times, great bad guy. So, you know, I definitely hear you, sir. 
And uh, he goes on to say that uh, I did make it out to see Resident Evil 5. I liked it for the most part. Had some nice fights, the action, and the score. But this movie felt like a filler movie. Nothing really happened. Uh, Only the last 10 minutes added to the Resident Evil story. Which, uh, I wouldn't say it's a filler, sir. I mean, number one, uh, they brought in a lot of characters that were not in the previous uh, movies. Uh, or they brought back people. It was kind of like Fast Five, you know, tons of action, bringing back old school characters that you love. Um, I do think it it helped. It was kind of weird with the whole Wesker kind of being a good guy, if you will. Um, I I like the new aspect of uh, of the whole um, daughter thing, which you know, not really a spoiler, but um, there there's a whole new aspect in regards to a, a daughter. Uh, which I won't say who the daughter who the daughter is or how there's a daughter, but there's an aspect of the daughter. I like that because that's going to flow into the next movie, and uh, I like you know the ending was definitely crazy, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the next one. I don't think it's a filler at all though. Um, I do like it, but want to see it. Uh, but I want to see it uh, again, uh, and I wouldn't mind a reboot to fit more with the games, which is. I agree, sir. But what really does that, though, are the CGI films. You know, uh, I think it's Regeneration and the new one, Damnation, is coming out. Those are in line with the video games. Those are made for the video game people because Leon from the video games is the voice in both movies. So some good times. He says, I hope you have a great show. John, the mailman, consider this email delivered. So that is it, guys, for our emails. Thank you, everybody that wrote in. You guys are the best. So uh, let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. Now, hopefully you would dig this song. Uh, I really, really enjoy this song. Uh, You may have heard it on the radio, but I seriously doubt it. Uh, This is a very great artist who's very underrated and unfortunately didn't get the time um, to really expose himself. And that's Ashley Parker Angel. And the name of the song is Let You Go. Now, Ashley Parker Angel may sound a little bit familiar. If you remember the the boy band O-Town, you know, um, all or nothing, I believe is the big song of them, but they were originally on like this, uh, reality show making the band and crap like that. Well, here's the thing with Ashley Parker angel. Uh, one day he shows up on MTV on this TV show called there and back. And it's about, uh, you know, him being a boy, you know, being from a boy band who's basically broke. He's got really long hair. He lives with his girlfriend who's pregnant, uh, actually living with her and her mom. So he has no money. He's a down and out artist. But all he wants to do is make a record. He wants to make a rock and roll record. And and then it was just a very fun, good show. I really enjoyed it. My daughter really enjoyed it a lot. And you got to see all the trials and tribulations of, you know, coming from a boy band and just having no respect because coming from a TV show like that, it was definitely contrived and just no respect, which I totally get until that song came out. But even then, still didn't get a lot of respect. So this show was really, really cool because there's a song that, you know, they showed you him making tunes, which was some really good rock and roll and 
Uh, and the, the coolest thing is this song, when I first heard it on the show, which was actually the season finale, which also turned out to be the series finale. When this song hit, I was like, this song is amazing. It did actually um, hit. Uh, it was number one on MTV's TRL. And it was the third highest selling debut of 2006. The album is really, really good. Uh, the name of the album is called Soundtrack to Your Life, which Soundtrack to Your Life is also uh, the name of uh, like when the show would start up. That's the song that would actually play as well. But this song is flipping amazing. Um, and he has gone on. The, him and his uh, woman actually did break up, even though obviously he's taking care of his kid and stuff. But he's been uh, doing a lot of Broadway recently. And he's going to be a part of a new band called uh, Mansions of uh, Arcada. So that'll be interesting to see. But hopefully, you like this tune. It's a good pop rock song, it's got a great melody to it. And the words kind of speak for themselves. It's called Let You Go. So really great tune. Uh, and then uh, don't forget to uh, check out Change the Channel's podcast this Tuesday, uh, which you'll probably get this episode maybe after that. I haven't decided yet. 21 Jump Street will be recording. So I will get that episode edited and sent out to you as soon as possible. So if you want to write in for that, don't forget to send an email to ccpodcast1 at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to follow on Twitter. It's STL Podcast. Uh, like us on Facebook. It's Sweep Delay Podcast on Facebook. Just type in Sweep Delay Podcast or just go to www.facebook.com slash Sweep Delay Podcast. And uh, don't forget the group. It's just type in the STL Nation. You'll find it. I'll approve you and get you in. And then don't forget iTunes. Now, I got a little problem with iTunes lately. On the last episode that I uploaded last night with the Underground Hour, I mentioned with the new app system, the iOS 6, uh, you can now review your ratings, like your star rating, and they'll actually break it down between 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. And some do gave me one star rating. And, you know, I, I don't know if the dude was being a jerk or he just didn't like the show because there's some people who just rate a show one star and, and just take off and go somewhere else and didn't give me any constructive criticism. But at the same time, you know, I have the greatest fans in the world. You guys are amazing. You've given me 18 reviews and ratings so far. It's been great. Uh, but if you want to go on iTunes and you have not reviewed the show or rated the show yet, please do so on iTunes. Hopefully, uh, you'll give me five stars and, and we'll be able to move that up from the average of four and a half stars. But it is what it is. I'm not going to let it bother me. And hopefully you dig the STL Underground Hour. If you do, I'm going to try to get uh, those out once a week along with the regular movie podcast episode. So the next episode coming to you will be Airheads. So get your emails in for Airheads. That's the good old Brendan Frazier, Steve Buscemi, and Adam Sandler Flick. I love the soundtrack. love the movie. It's great cameos, great fun. So get your emails in on that. And that will probably be hitting you Friday. I want to say it's probably going to be the best time because of the recording I have with changing channels and uh, getting this episode out to you and then also uh, working on another underground hour episode if you guys dig it from the feedback I get so that is it overall for the episode thank you so much for joining me hopefully you uh, dug the point break review I had a lot of fun it was good times so hopefully you will enjoy this music spotlight and don't forget it's called uh, let you go and uh, it's by Ashley Parker Angels so you guys take care Masuna sound